are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning, all of you up at the mills. Let me be the first uh, here from Oakmont to wish you a happy new year, happy first Sunday of 2013. We're glad to be able to spend some time together today studying God's Word. I'm going to encourage you, if you would, to turn in your Bibles. Go ahead and open those Bibles up, and you can go to John chapter 15 and verse 8 is where we're going to be, just kind of kicking off this new year. I also want to encourage you to turn, uh, to grab the notes that you'll find in your bulletins there, some notes that'll help you out. You can always go to our live event on your Version Bible app if you have a Bible on your phone or your iPad or something like that. We want to encourage you to take advantage of those notes there uh, as well. We would greet those of you that are listening via podcast, too. Glad to have you with us today on this first Sunday of the new year. I want you to think a little bit about what you've been doing the last several weeks. We all have stories to tell, and many of those stories have been told on Facebook uh, and other places about what everybody's been doing over the holidays. My wife and I went out to Missouri right after Christmas, and uh, we were there with my wife's parents who were celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary, and we threw a uh, surprise party for them at about 50... 50, 60 people there, and it was a great time to just be able to honor them and esteem them, and what a great example of uh, uh, faith and endurance and faithfulness that uh, they've had over the years uh, in their marriage. One of the things that I thought was the coolest about that experience was seeing all the generations there. We had a lady who was 90, and we had all the way down to a a newborn infant and little toddlers uh, running around, and it was neat to see generations of faith all together uh, sharing and esteeming a couple that, that finds themselves right in the middle there of that. My birthday also has uh, come over the holidays, and I turned 41 years old. Can't hardly believe that. My dad and I share the same birthday on Christmas Eve. And as I've been thinking about, you know, that 40 and 41 now, I want my life to have an impact. I remember I was looking back over what I had written last year in my journal about turning 40, and I want my life to make an impact. And I'm wondering if you do too. Do you want your life to have eternal significance? And I hope the answer to, for that, you know, for all of us is yes. I hope that we all want that. And I believe that we do that best when we make a spiritual impact. That has the eternal consequences in this world. What we do to add value to our culture and the people around us is wonderful. It's needed. It's important. But ultimately, the eternal impact is what I'm hoping for. Jesus was talking about that in John chapter 15 and verse 8. This is our small group theme for this year. We started this back in September. If you're newer to the church here, maybe uh, newer to Riverside, um, we do a yearly theme from September through August, and then we'll start another one again after the first of September. But this theme, this verse has been our theme this year. When you produce much fruit, Jesus said, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. And the idea of that is, is when we bear that kind of fruit, it's not our job to produce the fruit, it's the Holy Spirit's job to produce the fruit in us. Our job is to live in such a way that we don't thwart that, that we don't push back against the will of God, but that we embrace that, that he can produce that fruit in us. And when we do that well as individuals, and when we do that well together as a community, he gets the glory for it. We point to him, and he gets the honor. He gets the, the, the focus is on him. We see that very clearly from the first group of followers that were following Jesus. 
in Acts chapter 2. And you'll see that on the screen there. We'll put those verse, that verse up there. This is kind of the small group idea, the theme uh, from the scriptures. It says that those first believers committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, and the prayers. And those are the key things that the early followers pursued Jesus in. They got together in groups and they did life together. They shared their meals. They shared everything that they had. They taught together. They learned together. They studied together. And they prayed together. And they saw miraculous things. And the scriptures say that everybody around them liked them. They were bearing much fruit and God was getting glory for it. And the church grew on a continual basis. And that's the picture of life together that we're holding out for you today as we are encouraging you to go to the tables in both locations today. After the service, you have that chance to go and not just be in a Bible study, but be in life together, doing life in the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's what life together is all about here at Riverside. And what we all need in our spiritual journey is love-based intergenerational community. I saw that so clearly when we were out in Missouri, seeing all those generations coming together, doing life, living life. Some were from church, some were family blood, but how many of you know that a lot of times the blood that we have in Christ is a whole lot more cohesive and a whole lot closer than our real flesh and blood, right? And we, we can be a whole lot closer in that sense. But while we all need customized experiences for wherever we are on our journey, personalization does not equal individuation. And we need, we need a personalized approach, but we also need to be a collective in that approach. We're not designed to be out on our own all alone. And when spiritual growth and life happens together in community, we get it right, and God gets glory for it. And so... Today, as I think about this intergenerational approach to community, I find myself smack dab in the middle of that. There are a whole bunch of you that are older than I am sitting here and up at the mills. And there are a whole bunch of you that are younger than I am. I find myself kind of right there in the middle. So what I want to do in this time together this morning is to just share with you from my heart some things that I hope for as the adult ministries pastor here at Riverside as the small groups guy who's trying to help you to get connected with each other. And it's the heart of our staff as well that there are some things we want to see from the older generation. And there are some things that we want to see from the younger generation coming together to make an impact. And when we get this right, we will make an impact. And so for the first half, I'm going to talk to those of you that are older than I am. And then in the last half, I'm going to talk to those of you who are younger and then we're going to head to the tables, and we're going to sign up. Sound okay? That's what's happening either way. So uh, sound okay? All of you up at the mills? Okay. So first of all, how many of you are, uh, I'm 41, so how many of you are older than I am? Okay? All right, up at the mills, I can't see your hands. I'm getting older. I can't see your hands up there. All right, I'm going to talk to all of you for just a few moments, because it's time for the older generation to make an impact. And so I've got some thoughts I want to just share with you. You'll find them there in your notes. The first one is this. I want to encourage you not to resent, to fear, or to judge the next generation. You were once in their shoes. You were once the rebels. You were once the ones that were young. 
And they need to know, that younger generation needs to know that they can stand on your shoulders and build upon your solid foundation. They're not the enemy. And whether they can admit it or not, and we'll get to that, they look to you for approval and support and validation. Please, I beg you, don't withhold that from them. Give them that support. Give them that approval. Give them that validation. Help them to move forward. God values maturity. And if you're not dead, you're not done. Let me say that again. If you're not dead, you're not done. The scriptures say in Proverbs chapter 20, a gray head is a crown of splendor. In Isaiah 46, the writer there says, Listen to me, O house of Jacob, even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he who will sustain you. Can we say amen to that? I have made you, and I will carry you. I will sustain you, and I will rescue you. As I was thinking about this idea that if you're not dead, you're not done, I came across the story of um, Caleb and Joshua. They were, uh, this is in the Old Testament stories of when the Israelites had finally come to the promised land and they were going to, uh, they sent in uh, spies to look at the land and 10 spies came back and said it can't be done and Joshua and Caleb came back and they said yes it can and so they began, you know, they, they got into a huge mess but finally the time comes where it's to Caleb's turn to go and to receive his inherited land. And it was going to be a rough spot, a difficult time to be able to take that piece of ground. And he chose the most difficult one. You know how old he was when he did that? In Judges, uh, I'm sorry, in Joshua chapter 14, Caleb was 85 years old when he stormed that piece of property. I love that because it just shows again, if you're not dead, you're not done. And those of you who are older, And perhaps you're feeling isolated, you're feeling left out, or overlooked, or unwanted. I want to be very clear with all of you this morning. We want you here. This is a place where you can come, where you can belong. A place where you can be loved a place where you can contribute. We need you to lead the way in fostering a loving, compassionate, nurturing, and accepting body of believers. Those who are younger need your generosity. They need your wisdom, your insight, your energy, and your strength. Because I believe that your best days are before you as you take the maturity that God has given you And you invest it in those who are behind you. It's up to the older generation to figure out how to pass on, how to hand on the faith to the younger generation. It's up to those of us who've been around a while to own the burden and the task of passing on the ways of Jesus and the life of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus to the next generation of followers. It doesn't just fall upon me and Bill and Donnie and the other staff. It falls on all of us who are older in the faith, who are older age-wise, but also older in the faith to pass it along to the younger, to the newer. 
And that may mean that at times we defer to the younger generation in matters of preference. I love what the Psalms say in chapter 145. You see it in your notes. It says that one generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. That's the dream, that the older generation would commend God's works, his character, his nature, his attributes, his faithfulness to the next generation. We can do that. God has given us the resources and the people and the gifts, and he will lead us in fostering this kind of church environment, this kind of a mentoring, a discipling, a passing on the faith from the older generation to the younger generation here at Riverside. And he'll help us to uh, cultivate a deep generation if we will be available and if we will be intentional about doing that. And it takes an intentionality to do that. The good news for all of you that are older than me today is that you can be a spiritual father and mother to those who come behind you. Now, I believe that it's not our job to figure out or discover how to, how to reach the next generation. They are going to do that on their own. Our job is to pour into those who are here, who are coming up, the children and the students and the 20-somethings and the 30-somethings. They're going to reach their generation. Our job is to pass the faith on to them so that they then can go and figure out how to get that done, just as we who are older have reached our generation. Are you tracking with me? Does it make sense? Our job is to be available to them, not to resist them. Let's, let's just not get in their way. We can be a part of what God is doing. Or we can be marginalized. We can be overlooked. We can be passed over. But I am choosing at 41 to pass on that everything that God has given to me to the next generation. What about you? How will you do that? Well, it's not going to be rocket science. It's loving them, it's sharing your life, and it's sharing your faith. It's giving them time. Psalm 79 and verse 13 says, From generation to generation, we will proclaim your praise. And Psalm 71 says, Since my youth, O God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray... Do not forsake me, O God, until, look at this, until I declare your power. To who? The next generation. Your might to all who are to come. Don't wait until you feel like you're perfect or until you've got yourself together to pour into a young person. That's like waiting for the Pirates to win the World Series. Don't wait until you feel like you've arrived to pour into somebody younger than you. 
Growing up, receiving the faith, living godly lives is not getting any easier. The generation that's coming behind us, those of you who are in your 20s, those of you who are in your teens and younger, it's not getting easier. And I think it's sometimes tempting for those of us who are older to think that we had it tougher. But I would submit to you in seeing what I'm seeing today that the reality is that families today are way, way, way overscheduled. They're running at such an unhealthy pace. There is a toxic and chronic sense of a lack of time a lack of reflection, a lack of space to, to even hear the voice of God. And, and there's too much hurry. There's too much rush. There's too much go from this to this to this to this to this. There's overcommitments. And students are feeling the pressure to excel in every area of life. They're getting pressure from their peers, from their environment, and even from their parents to excel academically and uh, athletically and professionally and relationally and even spiritually at times that happens. And young people today are are growing up in a society where it is tough to stand up for their faith. Christianity has become more and more and more marginalized. I know we still say we're a Christian nation in a lot of sectors, but you're in the schools today and we're telling a different story. We're seeing different experiences constantly than what we once did. There is skepticism. There is negativity about Christianity that has reached levels that I never had to deal with when I was in school even 20 years ago. And what is clear today to me is that following Jesus requires a level of commitment and courage that simply was not the case when I was their age. And I want to say to those of you at at the mills, those of you that are here in Oakmont, that are under the age of 30, that are courageously following Jesus. You have found him, and you are following him, and you are fully devoted to him, and you are making an impact. You love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you're not ashamed of it. You're my hero today. And we're glad that you're here. And we want you here. We want Riverside to be a place where you can fully express yourself. You belong here. You come right on in just as you are. We will love you and we will care for you and we will be there with you just as we are the older generation. We have got to get this right. The older and the younger working together. You can find support here. You can find healing. You can find friendship. You can find a place to lead, a place to belong, even when you're young. You don't have to have it all together either. None of us do. We're in this journey as one. So in your notes, those of you that are older than I am, look at those questions the commitments and the price and the sacrifices so that the next generation can know, so the next generation can experience you making an impact in their world. Now, those of you that are younger than I am, let me see your hands. Get them up there high, up at the mills, who is younger than I am. 
All right, you can all now call me old, oldie moly here. It's time for you to make an impact. All right, here's what I've got to say to you. Here's what we need from you. You need those who have gone before you. Whether or not you realize it or not, they've been where you haven't been. They've done what you haven't done. They've experienced some things that you have yet to experience. They're a wealth of information. I sat at that 50th party and went around to some of the older folks in the room that were years and years, decades older than I was, and just sat and asked them questions and just let them talk, let them tell their story, let them love on me and experience what I was just describing that the older generation should do to make an impact, and it was beautiful. You can learn from their successes. Those of you that are younger, ask questions and learn from their successes, successes and learn from their failures. You don't have to repeat the mistakes of the older generations. Learn from their failures, but glean into their successes. Ask the deep questions, and then risk big, dream big, and go for it. Stand on their shoulders. Stand on the solid foundation that has been laid before you. And do something amazing with your life to make an impact. To do that, you're going to need to intentionally seek to humble yourself. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, in describing um, Jesus, this whole chapter here is a beautiful expose on the life of Christ. But here's what the Apostle Paul says that Jesus modeled for us so unbelievably clearly. Paul says, don't be jealous or proud, but be humble and consider others more important than yourselves. Recently, I heard uh, at a conference I was at, Pastor Craig Groeschel out at LifeChurch.tv in Oklahoma, he was talking to some of the younger crowd, and he made a comment about a study that had been done that just kind of has set with me over the last few months. And he was talking about a study that was done with executives, business executives in the marketplace they were speaking about the 20-somethings that were working in their companies and in their different businesses. And a word emerged when the business executives were uh, polled to describe the 20-somethings. And the word began with an E. And they went back to the 20-somethings that were working in these companies, and they said, hey, what do you think was the, the E word that describes you 20-somethings? And they come back with excellent, enthusiastic, entrepreneurial, exceptional. None of those words, unfortunately, were the words that were, that was the word that came out. You have any idea what that word might have been? Entitled. Entitled. Ouch. That's just a little bit painful. And I'm not trying to be hard on you younger folks at all. But because, you know, some of that's not on you. Some of that's on the older generation that's given you too much. You know, back um, when I was in sports in school, we actually had to win to get a trophy. Have you noticed that in so many sports environments today, you could not have a winning record or not win anything at all, and you, you get a trophy? Okay, well, that's not helping matters any as a society. When we give everybody, whether they've earned it or not, something, you know, hey, great, you're awesome. That's going to create a sense of entitlement. So some of that's on the older generation, but some of that's 
on those of you that are younger, too. You have that sense of you are owed something. You are owed the same stuff that the older generation has. You're, you're owed the same opportunities. You're owed, you know, the, the trophies. But this sense of entitlement is something that wells up inside of all of us, no matter how old we are. That's why the scriptures challenge us to humble ourselves. First Peter chapter 5 says, Young people, all of you must serve each other with humility because God opposes the arrogant but favors the humble. Be humbled by God's power so when the right time comes, he will show you honor. That's written by a guy named Peter who had been full of pride in his walk with Christ. And his pride had gotten him into trouble time and time again. And so now, writing to a younger generation, this guy says, learn to intentionally humble yourselves. The last thing I want to say to our younger generation is, is and, this, and this goes to both, but I specifically want to apply it to the younger generation, is give honor. Give honor. Honor, by definition, means to value or highly esteem means to treat as precious or weighty. Now, on the flip side, a lack of honor is to dishonor. It's to treat someone or something as ordinary or as common. And honor is the willingness to reward someone for their difference. It's not flattery, and it must be genuine, and it must be heartfelt. Honor builds up. Dishonor tears down. Honor believes the best. Dishonor believes the worst. Honor values others. Dishonor devalues them. And because of a lack of honor and love, we limit ourselves and what could happen here, the impact that we could have in our generation when we don't give honor. Don't confuse honor with respect. Honor is given. Respect is earned. There is a difference. Honor can be demonstrated even when respect is not warranted. Let me say that again. Honor can be demonstrated even when respect is not warranted. In fact, the Bible is a book about honoring God and his instruction. Think about the Ten Commandments for just a minute. The first four are all a, a warnings about dishonoring God, and the other six warn us about dishonoring others. And honor is a part of the kingdom of God that he wants to bring now in our generation, in our world. That's a part of what he wants. And so who are we called to honor? Well, I've got just a few things down there. We're not going to take time to read through them all this morning, but I put them down there so you could have them and reflect on them this week. The scriptures say that we are to honor our Heavenly Father. And I believe that the underlying reason that our culture is so dishonoring is because we do not fear and honor God like we should. I agree with Craig Rochelle when he says that. And so we start by honoring the Lord God Almighty. In Isaiah 29, it says there that God himself says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. 
May that not be said of Riverside. God forbid that we would just go through the motions, that we would pretend to honor him and then do whatever else we want that totally dishonors him throughout the week. God forgive us for that. And so we're to honor God. We're to honor our parents and our spouses and our grandparents and those who are elderly. And you can read those verses on your own. I don't have to go through all those. You see them there yourself. We're to honor our parents. There are some of you that are younger and you have been anything but dishonoring or anything but honoring to your parents lately. You need to go and you need to have some conversations. You need to apologize. You need to ask for forgiveness. And you need to show honor to your parents because they have the office of parent in your life. Let me just ask you a quick question. What happens when any president of the United States walks by someone in the military? What occurs? They salute, don't they? Now, are they saluting, in this case today, Barack Obama, or are they saluting the office of the president? They are saluting the office of the president. And whether a person is worthy of respect or not is another matter. But you show honor where honor is due. Because the office that they have, that goes to your parents, that goes to your children, that goes to your spouse. Some of you need to go home and you need to have some tough conversations with your husbands and with your wives because you have not been honoring them. And you need to go and you need to deal with that. You need to apologize, you need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe it's a grandparent. Maybe it's um, somebody that's in authority, somebody that you work for, or you work with. But you need to go and you, you know, I have not been honoring to you. I have not shown you honor. I love what it says in Leviticus 19.32. It says, rise in the presence of the aged. Or the aged. I'm not sure which way to say it. Rise in the presence of the aged. Show respect for the elderly and revere your God. I am the Lord God. So I think we might just want to do that. So the question is what age do I pick? that you're going to stay seated and the rest of us are going to stand. I talked with Pastor Bill about, this week, about that this week, and he said, whatever age you pick, pick older than him. <laughs> so, knowing that I'm going to offend someone, I'll just pick a number. If you're 60 or older, I want you to stay seated. If you're under the age of 60, let's stand and honor those that are sitting Up at the mills. You may have a seat. And all of you don't send me mean emails about making you sit if you're... Honor everyone that you can. 
Romans chapter 12 says, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. I just want to say up at the mills, my dad's up there today, and I want to honor you for being such an amazing example, and mom, she's on with Jesus now. I want to honor Amy's parents that are listening by podcast, Uh, Bill and Connie, you've been amazing, and I want to honor you, Bill and Teresa, as well. You took a huge chance on a young kid and his wife uh, 15 years ago, and I'm thankful for that, and so many of you, as I've been writing this message and reflecting on what it means to honor. You'll be hearing from me this week. I thought about trying to name you all by by name, and it just got to be too long, and you want to get out of here and go on to uh, your small groups and all those things. So, uh, But I stand on the shoulders of so many of you who have invested. Who have done what I was talking about in the first half of this message. And I'm so grateful for that. Don't stop doing that. Those of you that are younger, there's some questions in your notes there as well. So how how are we doing showing honor? All generations, how are we doing at this? Do the people closest to you feel the honor? Who has God challenged you even this morning that you're going to go and you need to honor this year and even this week? That's what you do with what you've heard today. Scripture says very clearly that those who hear the voice of Jesus and then don't do anything anything with it are fools. God is speaking through his word today. We need to honor one another. In your bulletins today, you will also see some information regarding some prayer and fasting stuff that we want to put in your hands. I want to invite you to take that out of both locations and just take a look at this. Every year, the beginning of the year for the last several years, we've been doing this together. If you're new to fasting, this is a, just kind of a, a real um, introductory piece to this. There is information about uh, how you fast and what you fast. Some of you are going to fast food. Some of you will fast sweets or caffeine or meat or carbs or whatever it might be. Others of you might be fasting electronics, um, uh, games, Xbox, Wii, uh, you know, whatever you might be playing on your uh, devices, you might be fasting television. Uh, there are, this, this has information about the types of fasts and the lengths of fasts. We're not mandating any of that to any of you. We just want to encourage you to be intentional about recalibrating your spirit and your soul and join us as a staff. We're going to be doing that. We're all doing different things and different lengths and different ways of fasting. But this is a time for us to pause Maybe it's a day, maybe it's a week, maybe it's a a month. I don't know what you're going to do, but you decide what you're going to fast, and then you seek God. You seek God for wisdom, for guidance, for clarity, for breakthroughs, for healings. Pray and fast for for the staff, for the future of Riverside, that we would get this intergenerational thing right, that we would make an impact that God would do amazing things. You would be praying and fasting for this process that we're in to, in, in renovating Archie Street and the, the, the renovations we want to do here in Oakmont and the future of what we have in store, what God has in store for us as a family. Those are the things that we want you to be praying and fasting about. We love to hear stories about breakthroughs that God does in your life, in your families, in your marriages, with your kids. You can do this with your kids. You can do this with your parents. You can do this as individuals, however you choose to do it. We just want to encourage you to participate in some way. This isn't a diet. 
This is prayer and fasting. And when we pray and fast together, we'll make a difference. It's time for all generations to live together to make an impact. Let's pray. Lord, we declare that we're in need of you. You have lived and led and saved us in such a way that has made an eternal impact on us. But we want to make an impact in our generation together now. Thank you for calling us to yourself. And thank you for modeling these things for us, Jesus, when you came and lived in such an honoring way. You humbled yourself. You intentionally sought the good of others. You passed on what you learned to those who were younger than you. You were a spiritual mentor and a discipler. You took every opportunity that you could to pass the faith on to the next generation and that next generation got it and they helped their generation to find you. So Lord, we want to do that. Those of us that are older, help us to pass on our faith. Help us to live in such a way that the love that you have developed in us, the maturity, the wisdom would be spilling out upon those around us who are younger. Help us to raise up a a deep generation that will reach their own generation. For those, Lord, that are younger, I pray that they would intentionally seek out and not despise and not push away and not take for granted the wealth of wisdom that is right at their fingertips. I pray, God, that they would intentionally humble themselves and that they would seek the help of those that can help them to reach their own generation. I pray that they would show honor, that they would give it intentionally, and that, Lord, whatever conversations we need to have, whether we're older or whether we're younger, that we would go and we would have those conversations that would demonstrate our sorrow, our repentance, and our humility for showing dishonor, for devaluing others instead of giving honor where honor is due. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing us as we cry out to you today. Prepare our hearts now as we will head to the table soon and give us an amazing semester together as we journey together intergenerationally in community with one another that will make an impact, that will bear much fruit and bring you much glory. In your name we pray, amen. You have been listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.